Amen. Now, one great thing about Celebration Sunday is that I don't get to speak long. Yeah, okay, you don't need to sound so enthusiastic, okay. Which is the reason why often on a Celebration Sunday, another member of our staff does the teaching, because <laughs> I'm not good at not speaking very long. So, but here we go. We're gonna, today, we're actually going to conclude our teaching series called Brand New on the Apostle Paul. Now, the end of last year, when I was uh, planning some of our teaching for this year, what I actually anticipated was spending four weeks on some highlights of the life of the Apostle Paul. And the more I studied it and got into it, the more intrigued I got by some of the detail. So actually, at the end of our four weeks, we'll only just about have covered his conversion. So I've changed something, some of the things we planned for the fall, and in the fall, we're going to come back to brand new too. Okay, is that good? Star Wars can do it, we can do it. Uh, and so we're going we're to come back and we're going to revisit this, because next week is our Ladies' Soar weekend. We're going to have our guest speakers with us from Soar uh, over Sunday too. Eliana White is speaking through Soar. Her husband, Johnny, is with her. He's going to be speaking on Sunday. The week after that is Palm Sunday. It's a great Sunday to invite people to church, particularly people from a more um, formal church background. Um, you invite them to come to church, say you need to get your palm. We'll give them a palm. We'll, we'll do anything we can to get them in the door. So um, that's Palm Sunday. Then we've got Good Friday. We've got two services at 6.30 and 8, Good Friday evening. And then Easter Sunday, we have got three services at 8.45, 10 and 11.15. So we've got a great few weeks coming up. But what I want to do just now is I want to look at one more detail from the story of Paul. Um, I, f I, find, I find more and more, I, I used to get kind of anxious when, like Sunday after church, I'm wiped. And it's like, what's the matter with me? I mean, like 30 years ago when I was 30 years younger, uh, even, you know, it was like I was wiped by Sunday afternoon. And I read something a couple of years back that said, who knows who did it, the study, that actually the energy used both emotionally and physically and even spiritual energy in preaching a 30-minute sermon is the equivalent to the energy used in doing eight hours of work. Um, so if you preach twice on a Sunday morning, that's like 16, I guess. Easter Sunday will be like going 24 hours. I'll be dead. And, and so, you know, because Sunday afternoons, Sunday afternoons, I'm generally ready just to decompress, cut off, you know. Uh, sometimes I go to the gym. Sometimes I, I'll walk outside for a while because I'm not physically tired. I'm just drained. And you know what? It's important to take time then to decompress, and to build up again. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because at the point of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, there's an important lesson we learn that we need to be aware of. So, we looked at the fact that he was a man with a terrible past. Then we looked at the fact that God got a hold of him on the road to Damascus. And then last week, we saw the fact that actually he would have stayed the rest of his days blind and traumatized 
in Damascus if there wasn't a man named Ananias who, despite his reluctance, decided he'd go over to Paul and try to help him. And we said, you know, for every one of us, there are people that are waiting on the other side of our obedience. Intimidating as it might be, they need to hear about Jesus too. So this week, I called this week Digging Deep. So let's read a few more verses of the story from Acts chapter 9. So Ananias has been to the house where Saul is. It says, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem amongst those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So here's this dramatic conversion on his way to Damascus. Jesus appears to him. Jesus speaks to him. He gets the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, and suddenly he becomes an overnight preaching sensation for the other team. But actually, that isn't fully what happened. And that's never what happens to any of us when we come to receive Christ. A number of years ago in the UK, there's a very uh, prominent Bible teacher and author by the name of Alan Redpath. And Alan Redpath once wrote this. He said, the conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment. The manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime. I like that. Conversion is instantaneous. You trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you will be saved. And it happens there and then. But you know what? That doesn't mean you as a person is transformed overnight. Sure, you stop being your own person. You become a child of God. You're no longer somebody who's destined for eternal death. You're destined to eternal life. You're someone whose focus in life now is no longer you, but your focus is Jesus. You have a brand new identity. But the truth is, is the making of a child of God lasts a lifetime. My Lord, I'm going to say that again. Because if you did not say amen then, you're incredibly delusional, and I, I'm concerned about you. The making of a child of God takes a lifetime. Amen. It does, doesn't it? It really does. God's still working in every one of us. You know, sometimes when people come to know the Lord, uh, you know, weeks afterwards or months, you know, they might have a slip and they slide back into some of their own ways, and then they begin to doubt, you know what, I, do I really belong to God? Have I really got this? And you know something? The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, He renews you within but it takes a long time for God to fully work in us 
to make us into the person He wants us to be and that we're going to be. Actually, Paul did not suddenly become the world changer that he was immediately after his conversion. He had to get himself grounded in his relationship with God. Now, the reason I say that is this. The verses we looked at just now in Acts 19, in verse 9, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, right? He spent several days there, it says. Now, if we could just flick to the next slide, right? In verse 23, it says that after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews. Now, get this. We don't have the whole of the life of Paul within the chapters of the book of Acts that he occupies. We've got a condensed version. So, actually, if you bear that in mind, initially it says he stayed, he stayed there for a few days and preached. Now, it says after some days there was an issue in Damascus. Now, Bible scholars reckon there was a, a gap in between those two things, that actually he was in Damascus for a few days, then he left Damascus and some time later. And the reason is this, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul writes this to these believers. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, <clears throat> nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard my previous way of life, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him, right? He's, he's talking about what happened on the Damascus Road. When he revealed his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia, and later I returned to Damascus. And our second part in, in, in Acts 9 says that he preached in Damascus, escaped from the city, and went to Jerusalem. But Paul says here, when I, was first, when, I, when I first got saved, I didn't go to Jerusalem. He said, here's what I did first of all. What I did first of all was I went away and spent some time by myself. Because before you can feed anybody else, you've got to have something to give. Right? And he needed to spend. Sure, he was converted in a moment on the Damascus Road. But the fact is, having been a, a zealous Jew who was opposed to the gospel for the whole of his life, he actually really needed to get some roots that were deep in God. And, and you know something? God wants us to recognize that the fact we know him and belong to him still is but the beginning. We need to dig deeper. We need to go deeper. We constantly need to be getting more and more grounded in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul went to Arabia and was there for three years by himself, apparently. Now, my wife's a very, you know, practical kind of lady, because if I say he went there for three years by himself, she'd say, she'd ask, where did he live? 
Like, how did he buy food? I mean, that's real practical, isn't it? I haven't got a clue. All right, he went to Arabia. He spent three years there. Here's what I know. He spent three years really getting to know God. If you've come to faith in Christ in the last weeks or months or the last couple of years, or if you came to faith in Christ 50 years ago, here's what I want to tell you. You still need to get to know God better because there's loads of God you have no idea about. Right? We need to be digging deeper. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells what we know as the parable of the sower. He says the sower, he, he, he um, sowed seed, it fell on different kinds of ground. And here's what he says in verse 20, the seed that fell on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they've no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. What I'm saying today is Paul did not become the giant of the faith that he was to be the moment he got converted. What he did was he put down roots, and that kept him going. And one of my fears in the living in the 21st century and living on Long Island particularly, my fears it, fear is that some of us think we've got it the moment we trust Christ, but we live too busy a life to develop a meaningful relationship with Jesus. And what I want to encourage you in today is in life, we need to take meaningful times that are spent with God. I'm not talking about taking a sabbatical. I, I've got pastors who are friends of mine, and they're, they're really keen on the sabbatical thing. And, and that's fine. You know, I've got a friend who had one last year, and he, he said, you know, every seven years, my church is totally cool. I take a year off as a sabbatical. I kind of I started counting up then. I just want to talk to you about the back time that's owed me. Um, <laughs> because July will be 49 years that I've been pastoring, so I didn't have a sabbatical yet. So... Um, that, means, that means I'm owed, owed seven, right? That means if I take off in the summer, I'm, I'm covered for seven years, and I'll see you again when I'm 76. You, you know, one of the reasons I don't, you know, I, I just don't entertain that kind of, for me, and it works for some people, and they need it, and I'm cool with that. You know, I don't, like, I, I don't like being away from here one Sunday, I mean, I know you manage without me, uh, and I know you do, do just fine. But the fact is, you know, God's put us together, and the purpose for which God's put us together is so exciting to me, I don't want to take a break from it. But you know what? It, that does, but that doesn't do away with the fact there are times when we need to pull back and just be with God. Like, I love being with people. I enjoy being with people. I love the energy of being here on a Sunday morning. But there are times we need to pull back. We, we were given a, a thing for Christmas. It, it's called Blue Box. And it's, you know, on your TV, then you can get, you can get all the loads of British shows. Sorry, Brit Box. Good. All right. We'll call it Brit Box. 
You know, so so we we're, we're watching an old show, one of the Britcoms that we 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 used to watch, and we're, we you, you got the, the whole every all the episodes from every series, and we're watching them through, like like you know, probably each each evening that we if we're home, we'll watch one of the episodes. And and this couple, they meet up. They were young lovers. Then they got separated. He went off to fight in the Korean War. They got separated. They meet up again later in life, and they start to this romance develops, and then. Eventually, like last night, we watched it was their wedding day. So they went to get married, like, you know, in the, in the equivalent of, of by the registrar. And then they were going to have the immediate friends back to their house. And then they were going to go to a restaurant for the big reception. And they're in the house with the immediate friends. And the guy is trying to get his new wife's attention. And, and she comes out and she says, Lionel, where are you? And he opens the door, the little closet under the stairs. And he says, quick, come in here. So they're crouched down in this little closet under the stairs. And he said, I've got an escape plan. <laughs> it's all worked out. We don't have to stay here. She said, but it's our wedding. He said, they won't even notice. And they did. Well, apparently, everybody's taken from the house out in the backyard. They had a cab waiting for them outside, and they set off for Scotland for a honeymoon. And they, you know, they left them to have the rest of the wedding without them. Only the British would do that kind of thing. But anyway, <laughs> all that to say, sometimes we do need to withdraw. Sometimes we do need to pull back because life can get so crazy that you don't have time to really develop relationship with God. And everything else takes a priority, but that misses out. So the one thing I want to say today, and I was going to get to three, but I'll get to one very quickly. The one thing I want to say today is this. If we want to dig deep in our relationship with God, often we need to slow down. And my encouragement to you today is refuse to live life fried and with a passing relationship with God slow down. Because you have so much to do that you don't have time to refuel. There are projects that have got to be finished. There are children that need to be taken to rehearsals. There are errands that won't run themselves. There are events you just need to, you know, you've just got to be at. But the truth is this, if you don't run your life, others will run it for you. And they will run it into the ground with the best will in the world, but they will run it into the ground. You can't live on the expectations of others, even your children. Hello. You need to live in a way that focuses on what you need and what's going to work for you. Otherwise, you know where you end up? In Judges 16 and verse 20, it says this about Samson. It says, Delilah called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Samson got up one day and thought, hey, I'll kill the enemies, but he couldn't. Because when it came to it, he'd lost his strength and his energy. If you're not taking time to strengthen your faith, the danger is you won't find out until you're in the crisis. And by then, it's too late. You don't shutter your home while the hurricane is happening. You take steps before. 
And by the way, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're able, to, we're, we're, we're able to stream our services live now on our church website. So I know this morning that we always get a lot of people. I met so many days. She said, I've got to work most Sundays, but I always watch you on Facebook Live. And you know what? I'm glad we're able to offer that. But I'm going to say this now to the folks who are watching on Facebook Live or through our website and everybody sitting here. If you're watching live today, but you could have been here, something's up. And if you're not careful, you're going to run dry. If you actually could have been here or in your own church, wherever that is, but if watching it, watching the teaching here on your computer, on whatever else, is just, okay, I'll just do that for today because you're not prioritizing the big picture of being with church family. If you check, your engine light is on already, and if you're not careful, you're going to grind to a halt. I'm glad to offer this service to those who need it. A lot of folks do have to work Sundays now. There are folks in other states. There are folks in other countries who watch us regularly online, and I'm happy for that. But the truth is, it can become a step back that becomes a cop-out in your commitment, not only to Jesus, but to your church family. And a Sunday morning is not just about the slot when I or somebody else preaches. A Sunday morning is about the interaction with like-minded people. It's about being able to worship God through song together. It's about being able to join in with baby dedications we just did. It's being able to actually be here and participate in the energy and the excitement of the baptisms we're going to do. And I want to tell you, we need to make sure we take the time, not only on a Sunday, but moments through the week when we can for ourselves, to connect with God. Slow down. Dig deep. Now, they told me when I was doing it was biology, I think, at school. I, I never got that stuff. Um, they told me that if you look at a tree, that there's as much underneath the ground as there is above the ground, and it's mirrored. And you know, if you see somebody you feel is a mature Christian, you know why that is? It's because they got roots that go deep. Dig deep. Dig deep. Don't be one of the people who does starts really well, but you've got no roots. So you know what? You wither and die. Dig deep. When Paul was converted, he didn't suddenly become the dynamic evangelist he was to be. He, got, he separated himself from everything and said, I need to be alone with God and get a real handle on this. It's your relationship with God, yours, that's the thing that is of ultimate importance. It's not even your connection to the church. First off, it's your relationship with God. And I want to encourage you, whatever you need to do, to take some positive steps in the craziness of your life to make sure your relationship with God is a priority. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. And as I do that, our band's going to come back. And then right after that, we are going to do baptism. So if those who are getting baptized want to take a few moments to get ready. And when you're ready, if you meet Charlotte over here on my left, that would be good.